All right, Dan. I'm just waiting Dan for the Dan. Man. Okay. Um, what am I gonna do again, Dan? So this is a movie that you guys will like. I thought it was okay. Oh, baby, that was good. I am stupid. <laughs> I like to cook slop. Do you want to top that slop? Thought we were gonna have fun here. Yes, queen. Down with guilty pleasures, up with pleasure pleasures. Did we talk you into? Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends tries to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This week, it's Batman White Knight. My name is Dan, and I'm getting back into the world fully vaccinated. My name is Jeff, and Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull ain't that bad. My name is Jimmy, and I've been described as being funnier in text message than in person. I, I can see that. <laughs> Your delivery. Jeff, might I'm pretty be sure bit. you're the one who told me that. I, pro- I, I might be. Yeah. I probably am. That sounds like something I would say, just like a really backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, might I'm be. a natural born writer, baby. I think I'm funnier in person than text message, but I do love a good, well-placed gif. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you sure. do love your gifts. Our Twitter uh, account, which I mostly maintain on a day-to-day basis, is like 90% GIFs. Yes, it is. It's very funny. So, Dan, how yes. how back into civilization, society, are you going now that you're fully vaccinated? Um, hmm. I would say I'm going fully back while also following all guidelines. In other words... I'll mm-hmm. still be like wearing masks everywhere. Um, and the only time I'll be like lowering my masks protocol is if I'm like in a room with only other people who are also fully vaxxed. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of like the CDC regulation. It's just odd. Like we've gone over a year now. So the idea of going to see a movie in a movie theater doesn't even cross my mind. I have to like rationally think like I think Jeff texted, you know, Jimmy and I saying like oh we all could probably go see black widow in a movie theater and i was like shit mm-hmm. that's right yeah it's weird i still probably won't <laughs> I, I think well because it's it's i don't i don't trust anybody anymore like i always didn't <laughs> like people but after seeing how most of uh society america <laughs> america has acted over the last year like i'm getting my final shot on friday so two weeks after that my wife and i are gonna start letting more vaccinated family members see the baby because a lot of them haven't met her other than through glass you know we're keeping it safe but also like after that i'm still going to be wearing masks everywhere i'm still going to be using sanitizers i'm still not right. going to be going to eat out um in restaurants and just the thinking about being in a movie theater, even if it's half full with people like eating popcorn, drinking, sucking their fingers, touching like the seats. It's just disgusting to me. And even if I were to wear a mask that entire time, it's like it pisses me off 
because it's not f-ing fair, right? Sorry, Jim. Because like we we've done everything we can to protect ourselves, our loved ones, people we don't even know, and most other people don't even care. Like I went to go get bagels today in this very small shop, and this old couple sitting there, like one of four tables, just not wearing masks. Like, do you need to do that? It's a bagel you can easily eat in your car. They weren't even eating; they were just sitting there. Why are you doing that? Well, like, see, here's the thing, Jeff, that you're you're sort of glossing over is that unlike most people you have a reason because all right i don't want to get too mired down but even though you let's the way the vaccine works is even though we won't get sick from it we could still carry it now maybe like yeah okay hold on for most people we don't have someone in our lives that's unvaccinated that we have to protect you do you have a baby, so if you are carrying the coronavirus, you can give it to your baby. But for those old people, everyone in their life may be fully vaccinated, so doesn't matter to them if they catch the coronavirus. They're not going to give it to anyone. Yeah, it's just that lack of empathy that, like, I don't know. It's just so dumb that this is even politicized. That's uh, so stupid. I agree so with you, especially, angry. like, six months ago. But now it's at the point where I am going to, like, go to restaurants because I'm not going to get sick. I don't know. That's just the way I feel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat too. I mean, I've gone to restaurants here and there and it, it it's extremely uncomfortable. And like, I've like almost chosen not to go to like family functions on holidays and stuff because, you know, nervous about getting sick, nervous about getting other people sick. But I mean, it, like, like we were saying, it, it it's come to the point where most people in my life are going to be vaccinated and I don't have to worry about it. But uh, definitely, I agree with uh, Dan's point of view of, of Jeff having to care for a child who is n- uh, not going to be able to fight off a uh, virus like that. And uh, I totally get his perspective on it. You know what's really stupid, too? I mean, we're, we're just going into this now. Like, yeah. so my dad's side of the family, we have a huge family, right? So it's hard for everybody to get together. But there's always Thanksgiving and Memorial Day. One of my uncles throws a huge Memorial Day party every year. And one of my uncles throws Thanksgiving every year. And we haven't been able to do that in this last year. And uh, I lost my dad this last year. So it's like, can't even see your family. And it mm-hmm. really sucks. And I'm in like this group. I just started the group text with eight on or seven aunts and uncles and my siblings. So I could just send like a baby picture once and be like, here you go. Here's a baby picture. Yeah. And then some of them send stuff like, oh, here's some weird vaccine news. Like it's from some like mm-hmm. shit website that's not real. And I Googled it and it's like a QAnon website. And I was like, hey, just so you know, I want to listen to this. And I just like sent the link like they have like conspiracy theories and they're crazy people. And then one mm-hmm. of my aunts goes like, well, I already decided not to get it. So now I'm stuck with the decision of not seeing my family ever again. <laughs> Because, like, I'm not going to take my baby to go meet my family at a huge gathering with, like, 80 family members if I know that some of them are anti-vaxxers. It's just so depressing. Yeah, I mean, that does add another layer into the things. But I think you have to just – the thing that I would warn you about is, um, like like you said, throughout this past year – you know, year plus, we have followed the guidelines and the recommendations. Well, that also means that as things are reopening, you should follow the guidelines and recommendations. It'd be hypocritical for you to, out of fear, you know, not do things. So don't live the rest of your life in your house just because that's what you've been doing for a year. If if everyone around you is vaccinated and protected, 
well i mean willing to open that back up yeah i just don't think yet because even now there's talking about a yearly booster shot and like i had to literally blackmail as you say my mother to get the vaccine my brother and i had to deny her access to her grandchildren just to get it because she turned into some anti-vax lunatic sorry jim um (laughs) but yeah so like if there's a yearly booster or at least one booster next year like yeah there might be another year where i'm being more cautious than recommendations and i think that's fine like i'm not you know i don't know yeah we just gotta play it by ear and uh i i gotta ask jeff is this the group chat with fried richie (laughs) all right yeah richie yeah uh (laughs) uncle larry always like always liked him (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like i like aliens so indiana jones next segment Every week on the podcast you're listening to right now, which we have titled Talk Me Into. It's a very good title. It describes exactly what we do every single week. You can thank Dan for that. It wasn't my idea at all. And this really good idea that we're still going with two years later. We do the segment to say, except you're welcome. I don't know if that's the song. I just added that because it sounded appropriate. No. Nope, yeah. It's so- not. Yeah, every week we talk each other into things. This week is Batman White Knight. But uh, we like to take a little time beforehand and just have a conversation about things we've been talking ourselves into, either successfully, unsuccessfully, maybe we're in the process of trying something new, uh, something tried and true. We don't know. This week, I have been talking myself into the last few weeks, a show on Paramount Plus called MTV's The Challenge All-Stars. Okay, what is this? This is basically, so uh, MTV had a popular reality TV show called Real World, and they had a popular reality TV show called Road Rules, which was popular, but not as popular. And in the late 90s, uh, I think it started, they decided what would happen if these shows crossed over and they did things like Fear Factor, which was popular at the time. So they started the mm. Real World Road Rules Challenge, which over time kind of like turned into its own thing that grew bigger than both of them, I would say. And then they started getting people like not on either show and they just changed it to the challenge. And it, I, I, according to Wikipedia, it's been going on like there's 30 something seasons um so so this show is called all stars and it features like the most popular characters or like the ones who have won the most over the years so i was intrigued because i'm like oh shit like tech and ruthie from real world hawaii are on here and like that was my shit when i was growing up yeah yeah and we talked about the real world and our relationship to it on one of our talking shit episodes on patreon.com slash talk me into so you can go listen to that if you want to hear more about uh this but yeah it's funny because i'm 35 and when i was a young these people i was watching so they're like in their 40s now and it's just funny to see like some of them are like they're all like married with kids or like doing really well. You know what I mean? Like I remember Ruthie, she was, she had like an alcohol problem 22 years ago and like, you know, getting into drugs and like, it's awesome seeing that she's, you know, still alive first of all, but like doing pretty well. Um, so yeah, this, this show it's, and it's actually pretty good. So like for me, it's nostalgic, but some of these challenges are just stupid. And then like, 
it's really funny seeing drama from like some of these people haven't been on the show like yes who was on uh road rules uh semester at sea i think it was you know he hasn't been on here since 1999 so like this dude's coming back 22 years later and just like competing. Dude, yes was the and man he is and he's like an engineer now so he like there was one challenge where like there was math equations they had to solve and he just like killed it and it's just funny seeing <laughs> I these went people to school with this girl whose big claim to fame was that yes was her cousin and she kept a picture of her and him together taped to her desk <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but yeah i don't know i think it's just funny like seeing these people who are just like married with families live together and all of a sudden they just like revert back like at first they're like <laughs> yeah you know i'm happy and stuff but then like all the drama starts because it's not like they're going for a thousand dollars or they're going for five hundred thousand dollars so a lot of these people like a lot of the people are like I love these people. They're my friends, but I will do anything to win that money. And I it's will literally uh, murder them to get that money. <laughs> yeah. And some of it is like, there have been like, and it keeps me on the edge of my seat. Cause like the people who I like, I want to see win. Cause like they're good people. And then there's like, there's always been the good guys and the bad guys on these shows. And like, sometimes yeah. the bad guys are like doing better and like beat the good guys. And it's like the last episode I watched a third yeah. one. I got really upset because somebody I like lost. And I was like, Oh man, is the Miz on it? No, he's not. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, Jimmy, what are nice. you talking yourself into this week? This was a big one, and I was very excited to do it. Uh, I was talking myself into making a game room. Oh, so, basically, if this would come up. Fun oh, yeah. zone two, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of is little clean room. Uh, yeah, uh, basically, I had a spare bedroom, and uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to need a roommate again. And turns out, I pretty much, I'm fine by myself. I don't really need uh, the financial support. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm going to make a game room. It was an idea that I've always like wanted to do, and basically have all my consoles set up, uh, make it look as clean as possible. I'm still kind of working on that aspect. Uh, but like, just have something comfortable where I can play video games and enjoy them. And uh, I've done that, and I've, I've even moved my uh, desk in here, so my computer, I'm currently recording in the game room, and it's Ooh. very nice, and uh, I'm loving it, man. It's just like McDonald said. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. There, there was a place I was living with an ex. It was disgusting and filthy, but when she moved out, I moved my bedroom, and like just totally i hung up ninja turtles on every inch of the wall and i was like this is my <laughs> this is my home this is the most at home i've ever felt in my life and, yeah uh, i mean it, it's really interesting because like i don't have like decorations or anything up uh, at least at this point i'm probably going to do it at some point um but like i just feel like so comfortable in here like i don't know what it is just being like surrounded by like all my video games and stuff because like obviously i'm a video game boy i enjoy collecting and like i have my two i got another bookcase that i built so i could fit like even more games on it i got some more custom game cases which i've talked about on the show before mm -hmm. uh, i got some shelves to put all the consoles on um actually friend of the show will from will and drew's uh, gaming retrospective gifted me a table that he was going to get rid of that i was able to put he gifted uh, you like, yo he yeah. used you to take that shit out because he didn't want to carry it himself <laughs> it was actually surprisingly very light um oh, and very like, able light. to uh yeah able to like put it together pretty easily too and can uh, i just say cool. can i yeah. just say that one of the saddest lines i've ever heard is i feel so comfortable here surrounded by all my games 
<laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Just like every time when I come home from work, this is like the first place that I go to just to like chill out, have the cats come come around. Have the You're just cats digging deeper around. and deeper. It's the first place I go to feel yeah. comfortable and have the cats around. Yeah. All right, no, Norman Bates. That's cool. <laughs> Mother doesn't like me to play video games. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm I'm loving it. Um, I have da, I have da, some da, da, da. more stuff. <laughs> there we wow. go. There we go. Okay, great. Dan, what are you talking yourself into? I'm done. <laughs> I'm talking myself into a musical artist who I feel like I should like. They've been around my periphery for years now. I've enjoyed seeing their performances on television and uh, the little bit of music I've heard. And I need to delve deeper. And that is Saint Vincent. Uh, okay. Right. I don't know if you guys are too familiar with her, but she's a songwriter, singer, guitar player. Yeah, I've only seen her on SNL a few times. Yeah, I I enjoyed her latest performance. It's a departure musically for her and visually. She's definitely like a visual artist. Um, I've enjoyed her work with David Byrne from Talking Heads. And I just want to delve more. As of recording this, I haven't really done it yet, but it's something that's going to happen. I especially like want to give a real chance to that album that she put out with David Byrne because I feel like that might be a good entry point for me as I'm already a fan of his. Right. Um, she did years ago um, when Nirvana was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Obviously, Kurt Cobain is not alive anymore, um, and they didn't have the AI for him yet at that point. <laughs> so uh, they had Dave Grohl play with Pat Smear and Chris Novacelic, I think his name is. And then they had different female singers fill in for Kurt Cobain. And out of that group, my favorite one was St. Vincent. I thought she was really good. She's a really good guitar player. She has a custom guitar that's sort of quirky and interesting. So yeah, I saw yeah. that. That was pretty good. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta give her more of a chance. I think, I think she's doing some interesting stuff right now. And I always appreciate, you know, like, a like a female voiced pop record that's creative and interesting right not your run-of-the-mill you know turned out in a studio and force-fed lyrics Katy perry type yeah that's always nice to have um also side tangent dan i think you you shared that uh that video where they made like a custom kurt cobain like ai song yes and it was terrifying how like accurate it was and it was actually a good song yeah like I listened to, a, a, they've released a few tracks from that like 27 project and most of them are horrible. Like the Jimi Hendrix one is just scary. The Jim Morrison one sounds like, I don't know, nightmare fuel. Right. But I was like, okay, like I should be fundamentally opposed to this, but it kind of slaps. Like <laughs> it's it's almost my favorite Nirvana song. <laughs> oh, well, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of hate Nirvana. I was never a fan and yeah, uh, yeah it, it sounds better than a lot of Nirvana. I stuff, have such a love hate relationship with Nirvana because, yeah, like, me too. When uh, Nevermind, I mean, it was such a big album, but it came out when I was like right. seven. But that was one of the three albums with Green Day's Dookie and Green Jelly's uh, Serial Killer that oh, I listened the Holy to. Trinity. It. Yeah, that I listened to when I was in elementary school that kind of like got me into the music that I eventually got into. And then when I, you know, like In Utero came out and like all these other Nirvana albums, well, a few of them. But then when I found out Bleach, which came out before when I was like 13 or 14, I was like, this is heavy. What's yeah. this? And like, <laughs> I loved it. And then like, as you find more music or maybe even music that's inspired by that, you're like, oh, this is better. I don't need to listen to Bleach anymore. Right. And every now and then I revisit it. I'm like, yo, this is hard, dude. And then like before the album's even over, I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I hate to be that guy, but like, if you like Nirvana, you need to listen to the old stuff. Like, I hate to be that guy, mm. but um, my favorite. I mean, Nirvana dude, they had some like they had some demo stuff before they went major. That is actually really killer. Yeah, you got to check out the demo, bro. Yeah, dude. <laughs> If you like Bleach, listen to Melvin's. That's what Kurt Cobain was trying to be. <laughs> also, I like when bands that I like cover Nirvana. I skip the song. Gaslight Anthem covered them. I, I never oh, listened so to bad. it. Touche Amore covered them. Hate it. Like all the covers are just bad. Yeah. Cool. This song's not great. Cool. Cool. Cool, dude. I'm on negative cream. I'm on negative cream. I'm on negative cream. <laughs> Okay, fellas. There it is. <laughs> this week is another comic book week. Please yeah, don't make me become the incompetent comic cabal cast again. Next week is Uncanny X Force <laughs> Volume 2 because Dan wanted more. No, we're skipping a few weeks for that. Yeah, we are. I am uh, talking you guys into a comic book, which I think was originally proposed as a mini series, but as you'll find out, has some follow ups because it was a, it was a startling success. It's a graphic novel called Batman White Knight. It was released in uh, 2000. Well, I guess it was originally individual issues. I didn't purchase those. I got the trade paperback, um, which was released in 2018. It's on the DC Black Label imprint, which is for the grownups like us. Um, yeah, we're we're adults. <laughs> you sure are. Cool. Adults they don't even have comics. to say sorry, Jim, after they swear. Yeah, they don't. Um, so this uh, comic is it's set in an Elseworlds type environment, uh, an alternate continuity of the Batman universe, where, as the book says, the Joker has gone sane. Basically, <laughs> uh, the Joker has somehow been reformed um, while in Arkham, and he is released after serving for his crimes. He takes up the name Jack Napier, and he is on a quest to heal Gotham City and sort of... Um, so is this the first time he took up the name Jack Napier in this universe? Mm, that'll be covered. Okay. Okay. Fellas. Um, this section is spoiler free. Um, I don't want to get too deep into plot. All, all I wanted to sort of tell you is that, um, there's some flashbacks to when he's the traditional Joker that you've seen before. Uh, this version of the Joker doesn't seem to be like physically altered by the acid bath. He mm. seems to be more along the lines of like the Heath Ledger putting makeup on because right. when you see him as Jack Napier, he's a good, upstanding, normal looking citizen of Gotham. And he's basically on a quest to I'm forgetting the word, but it's used like in the 12 step program. He's he's sort of like um, trying to make up for all the harm that he's caused in the past. And uh, if there's one person who's not going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and who's not going to believe that he can be cured? It's, it's Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happens. So this book was created, written, and drawn by Sean Murphy. And uh, yeah, I don't think that it's anything like world-breaking. It's just one of those things that's, that's done really well. It's got everything you want out of a Batman-Joker um, series. It's got a lot of pathos into the relationship between these two characters. Uh, it sort of recontextualizes some lesser known characters in interesting ways um 
it shows you the ripple effect of what would happen if the Joker went good. How would Batman take it? But also how would um, Barbara Gordon take it? We know how she's been wronged by the Joker in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would Harley Quinn take it? We know what the relationship with Joker has done. Um, do you guys have any background with this series? Have you ever heard of it before? I know you haven't read it. No, because I'm not really in the comic book zeitgeist, but mm. I do know Sean Murphy. Um, I think he wrote he wrote a few or he drew a few things that I read back in the day, like Punk Rock Jesus, and he did another story with Scott Snyder uh, that I'm blanking on. Uh, the, wake. the wake. I just pulled it Which up. Was yeah, really good. Yeah, and I, I know I've seen his work in other things too, and it's killer. Especially, I know that this is in color, but he like kills black and white. He's really mm. his his like line work is so dope. Yeah, he did Chrono Knots with Mark Miller and Joe the Barbarian with Grant Morrison. Those are some of his other books. Oh, um, cool. Aside from American Vampire: Survival of the Fittest, was also with Scott Snyder. Oh yeah, um, I haven't read American Vampire, but it gets praise. Yeah, so I, I sort of uh, and Jimmy, what's your exposure? Uh, I I know the concept. Um, I'm definitely interested in this because like that was always like a cool part of the Dark Knight Returns, where like the Joker supposedly is like better, and of course he's not. Um, so I, I'm interested in like delving into this like uh, character arc and stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it, but yeah, not a whole lot of exposure. Yeah, I I sort of picked up on this. Like Jeff said, I was out of comics for a long time, especially DC Comics. And I was looking for just good, fun, standalone stories. And that's really what this is. You don't really have to know. I mean, it's it's helpful that you know a little bit of the history of, like I said, Barbara Gordon and, you know, the Bat family and stuff like that. But it's not really necessary. You're going to get enough flashbacks and and um, backstory to contextualize everything and it it stands pretty well on its own Um, since it was such a success these eight issues uh, there is a sequel series called Curse of the White Knight and there's also a spinoff called Batman White Knight Harley Quinn so uh, yeah keep that in mind if I'm able to talk you into it Okay. uh, okay. you'll have more in the future if you're interested in it sweet So when we come back, we're going to be spoiling the first eight issues or, well, the full trade paperback of Batman White Knight. Batman White Knight is an eight issue. Right into it. Right into it. I'm excited. Let's talk about it. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, It's an eight issue comic series. We just talked about it briefly in the first half of this episode. So we're not going to talk about it anymore. See you next week. (laughs) Just later. No, Uh, as Dan mentioned, this series is about a reformed Joker and we get right into that. Uh, And we're going to spoil this series a lot. So don't want to know the ending. The friggin' heck out of them. Yeah, Yeah, this is this is the Joker is reformed and uh pretty much i mean we can just get into the the meatiness of this is he's suing the gotham city police department uh because they stood by while batman brutally choked him out and he claims that gotham allowed the crime 
to happen and other crimes that Batman uh, may or may not have committed to keep money well, flowing. I'm yeah. going to jump in for a second, Jeff, because the, the controversy isn't that Batman choked the Joker. It's that the Joker broke into a medical facility and Batman poured pills down Joker's throat, which is sort of what <laughs> what reformed him. But right. um but yeah, also, not, that's a little terrifying. I would yeah, not want yeah. Batman, the Dark Knight, uh, shoving pills into my body. Not what a great would look. you let Batman, the Dark Knight, shove into your body? A lot, but not pills. <laughs> a batarang. <laughs> cool. Deep uh, sure, Daddy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what, uh, the opening feels like a traditional Batman versus Joker caper. It's like mm-hmm. a uh, it's a, a flashback city. Too. Yeah, but we do see that um, Batman is a little aggressive, shall we say, a little unhinged. Uh, He's like knocking over people, crashing the Batmobile into stuff, driving over like rooftops, which might collapse the building. So Mm -hmm. he seems a little like single minded to to get the Joker. Yeah. And and Batgirl and Robin or or Nightwing are there. And, um, you know, they, they kind of take they take notice on that on how he's uh increasingly less careful about yeah, he's right. reckless yeah um but yeah like this i mean based on the, the title of the book i don't think white knight was chosen um by accident this is mm-hmm. definitely uh a libtard propaganda book <laughs> which i'm here for i'm totally here for it it's kind of right. funny too because before i read this without get, giving getting it spoiled for myself i was reading some reviews on it and people were complaining about or like oh liberals and of course they have to poop on the cops like yeah that's what this is about yes um it's and it, it, it is about the prison industrial complex as well which it gets into a little bit later um i forgot what i was saying well, I mean, I, I can speak to that a little bit because I, I don't think I did a great job in the first half of this episode talking about the that nature of this comic, that it is politically, you know, inherently political. Yeah. Um, but I will also say that I think it gives uh, pretty strong criticism to, um, quote unquote, liberal or progressive culture. I mean, basically, Joker is reformed and he's going by the name Jack Napier and he wants to be the... Uh, the savior of Gotham and, and stuff, but he's basically, he's using um, liberal talking points to further his own mm-hmm. goals. Right. He's, so they, he's, they literally talk about like SJWs and stuff yep. on the news. And I'm like, wow, we're going there. Okay. And the Joker is not, is not really like a, a Messiah figure. He's, he's using these talking points, these very Bernie Sanders, Bernie bro talking, talking points about the 1% and the gatekeepers of Gotham and all this stuff to basically gain political power. And we see that he's not, he's, he's willing to get his hands dirty to gain power as well. So like we start to get into the meat of the plot of this um, comic, which is that the Joker. And I think this is a pretty clever little plan that Sean Murphy came up with is that he basically like stuck the Mad Hatter's mind control device on Clayface mm-hmm. and then put little bits of Clayface's body into all the super criminals in Gotham, like drugged them with it, basically slipped it in their drink. And now he like threw the power of mind Mad control and Clayface and Mad right. through Mad Hatter. He's mind controlling all the supervillains. What did you guys think of that? You know plot structure 
I thought it was pretty cool. I, I don't really know. Like, I've never, I'm, I'm not super familiar with uh, the Mad Hatter or anything, but uh, I thought it was a cool way to basically get, like, all the supervillains basically on his side without actually getting him on their side or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it was pretty well done, and I liked the uh, the clay face that was literally just, like, a brain and eyes. I thought that was Yeah, with cool. a yeah, plane so stuck in its brain. I, I yeah. think that Sean Murphy, throughout these eight issues, did a pretty good job at balancing out, like, real-world Gotham grit because there's like two kinds of Batman stories, right? There's these like in the streets fighting crime detective stories. And then there's stories where like Batman's in outer space, you know, and or like weird stuff like that. So he did a pretty good job at balancing out like the zany Batman shit with yeah. like the normal grounded Batman stuff. And I'm all for like the weirdness that comic books allow. I didn't really get this at first. I mean, I understood what was going on, but I didn't know like the context and it's like, I didn't know anything about Mad Hatter and I didn't know Clayface was like, I don't know, like brain dead or something. Like when they first got there, he was just like standing there and like, this is throughout the context of the rest of the story. You could tell it's kind of like a pocket universe. Um, So there's things that like really happened, like Joker beat the shit out of Robin. We know that. Um, but then there's things that like are introduced as if it's the first time in here. So I was like, okay, whatever. It's an alternate timeline. I got that, but I don't understand like the context of that. And I don't know if they just like did it too quick. He's like, here's my plan in one, uh, speech bubble. Uh, so I, I don't know. At first I thought it was kind of goofy and just like easy and silly. Um, well, I think, I think Jimmy kind of hit the nail on the head that, um, the plan is sort of, a workaround just to get all the super criminals teamed up without having yeah. to deal with all those conflicting right. personalities. Yeah, it's not about it. getting all those people together. It's about like the deconstruction the of Batman and yeah, yeah, you know. It's about Joker or Jack Napier rallying his forces legally and illegally. And like basically his plan is to get information that proves his theory which is that gotham uh batman is more harm than help to gotham right so he uses the super criminals to create a diversion and sort of it helps him in two fronts because he was also like being looked at positively in pr for building this library in um backgate i believe they call it Backport, which is backport thank you which Mm -hmm. is like uh, a low income, you know, racially diverse area of Gotham. That's yeah, and, upon. and that goes back to what Dan said about him using liberal talking points. A lot of politicians like to exploit communities like that for political gain. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they help the same communities that they exploit uh, varies, but that seems exactly what was happening here. Oh, and he's full, fully fulfilling the white knight, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Trope. He like sweeps in. He immediately like contacts like a person of color to be his ally, which is right. uh, Duke, who's like right. a retired you know police officer who is like a youth program. And he's like, I'm going to build a library. Well, then he uses his own like super criminals to destroy the library just to make him look more empathetic. And he steals these documents from the mayor's office that supposedly prove that um gotham has a like a slush fund set up for like dis- natural disasters but really it's to pay for all, all the for damage <laughs> done by batman which is pretty messed up and also delves into some real world implications of <laughs> these huge battles that we see play out over comic books and comic book movies i mean right. marvel touched on this with like um 
you know, Tony Stark's, what did they call it? The cleanup initiative or something? I don't remember off the top of my head. It's, it's it was, a plot point of Spider-Man home, right. Homecoming. I was just going to say the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, so so that's sort of the push, the early, like, first act of this story. I also wanted to delve a little bit into, like, what did you guys think about the um, the dual Harley Quinns? I thought it was really weird at first. Um, I was, like, very, like, put off by it. I was like, like, why? Obviously, it gets explained in the comic, but I was like, why are there two Harleys? But then they, like, showed, like, a different costume showed up, and I was like, oh, are they, like, sort of saying, like, they're two different Harleys? And Yeah. But um, it definitely paid off, I felt, in my opinion, where later on she becomes the Neo-Joker. Yeah, at yeah. first um, I was very confused. Um, I didn't know if there were physically two or if there were, like, two personalities and Sean Murphy right. was showing us which one was speaking by putting them in the classic series versus the newer popular movie suit um yeah Marco and, robbie basically yeah and then yeah. it becomes apparent that there's two and that's another thing that i just didn't know i was like is this a thing in dc i don't know um turns out upon research this was new to this book right. uh, yeah, this it's is not a thing. this is neo joker's first appearance and like i thought the costume was pretty cool when she turned into neo joker um and when she said her name was Neo Joker, it was the one and only time I laughed out loud while reading this. <laughs> and even when I'm reading yeah. like funny comic books, I very rarely laugh. And this was supposed to be like <laughs> this big reveal, like, no, I'm Neo Joker. And I like I laughed loudly because it's so stupid. And then when I hate they it too. when they started calling her Neo Joker, like seriously, I'm like, this yeah. is this is bad. Like Neo <laughs> Joker is the is the bad. You could have just been like I'm I'm Harley. I'm the Joker. Yeah, I'm the Joker. <laughs> I'm the Joker, I'm, baby. I'm still Harley. And just going throughout, just having a, a second Harley, I was like, this is weird. I don't get it. And then they said her backstory, and I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, oh, I really, I like the backstory. I already don't like Harley as a character. I don't hate Harley as a character. I just don't care about Harley Quinn as a character. And in this like just having a second one who like snuck in and was just like also i don't know it's so so let me jump in a little bit because i think that first of all i agree with you the name is terrible i thought that from the first time reading it uh i also want to say that all of this is a lot easier to understand and you can see the groundwork laid on a on a reread like i reread this and uh without the confusion you can see that they really are two different people and I do think it serves dual purposes. Number one, it gives a, a foil, a villain, basically. Mm -hmm. And number two, it also reconciles some of the um, like retconning that's gone through the character of Harley Quinn. Uh, like she was very early on, you know, she's Harleen Quinzel. She's this psychiatrist at Arkham who's trying to fix Joker but ends up falling for him. And then there's this new Margot Robbie inspired Harley Quinn, which is like a powerful woman who wants to stand on her own two feet and not take any bullshit and is maybe a little bit more violent and a little bit more um, like criminally minded. Um, mm -hmm. She's not just along for the ride with Joker. She stands, you know, she does her own crimes and stuff. So I like this. Um, I, I think the backstory works too, that she was a broken person. The Harleen Quinzel thing was always troubling for me because she was a trained therapist who fell in love with this damaged person, but I didn't ever believe that she would really go as far as like killing people and stuff. 
So to see a different Harley Quinn that was really damaged and possibly headed towards a life of, you know, violence or not respecting the dignity of human life and then have her just like join up with the Joker makes a lot more sense to me. But yeah, I I would agree with that, too. It was also weird because they obviously in the beginning of the book, they're talking about like all the crimes that Joker did, too. And they're like, but Joker didn't commit any crimes. And I'm like, then why is he the Joker then? Like, what is he doing? That's like making Batman so angry at him and stuff. Maybe they're well, talking about since he's been out of Arkham or. I don't yeah. Know. So two things. I think one, they're talking about since he's been, quote unquote, Jack Napier. And two, I think they're saying that, like. There's a big difference between what Batman knows Joker has done and what Gotham PD can, like, prove in a court of law that Joker mm-hmm. has done. Yeah. Because don't forget, like, there's some stuff in here when Batman's walking through Arkham where they, like, basically say that they have a really hard time convicting these criminals after Batman's done with them because That's he true. doesn't he doesn't follow, like, legal procedures. He doesn't take evidence. He basically just drops out of the sky and beats people up. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's true. I, I guess maybe were you reading it, it would make a little bit more sense as you were you were saying before. You get a little bit more of the context. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, then from there on, uh, where do we go? I don't remember off the top. So of my the head. second act, uh, I'll sort of set it up, and then you guys can touch on it. The second act really has a lot to do with um, Neo Joker uh, <laughs> plan. Um, <laughs> so she basically broke into. Um, Wayne Manor um, chasing down a lead not that Bruce Wayne was Batman but that the Waynes had teamed up with the Freezes as in Victor Freeze mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze Mr. Freeze um, who and were like supposedly like engaged in some Nazi stuff so she basically yeah. was looking just for like information like maybe to blackmail or something or coerce a powerful family and instead what she found was that the Waynes and the Freezes had like collaborated on early plans to create a giant weapon, a giant like freeze gun underneath Gotham Bay. Mm-hmm. So the plan gets put into motion that she is going to basically use that freeze ray to draw out the Joker and basically so, like hold, hold Gotham hostage. Based on the context of this story and everything we know about it, right? So we we know that it it is liberal leaning, even though it calls out some of the negativity on that side of uh, the aisle. Um, and we know we obviously know that it it. You know, it's anti-police brutality and it it, it has a lot of problems with uh, conservative ideals. Um, And I mean, just the name Batman White Knight. So we we know where the creator stands on this. And this came out like 2017, 2018. So we know that time period when this came out and when they had the reveal of uh, Freeze, like being a Nazi, shaking hands with Thomas and Martha Wayne. Like, listen, I I don't I don't like Donald Trump. It's a big surprise here. I don't like it. But this parallel seemed so forced. Like you have the the rich person's rich parents shaking hands with Nazis. Right. We've all seen the pictures of Trump's like cozying up to the KKK. So like this is this is kind of the parallel that I drew in my head based on this information. And I don't like it because that implies that Donald Trump is Batman. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, 
I, I get what you're saying that on this cliffhanger it seems to draw that but in the start of the next issue it oh, very yeah. quickly recants <laughs> that it does but when I was reading that I, I literally like rolled my you're eyes like, oh, so, so rich hard. guys are Nazis got it <laughs> well I mean I mean I mean I mean I mean, I mean. I mean. So we're skipping. I mean, we're talking a lot about the plot, um, which is fine. We'll continue to do so. But we're skipping over a lot of the actual format of comic books, which we've talked about and we love a lot. Yeah, I was hoping that we would just sort of breeze through the rest of the plot and then come back and talk about like the art, the writing. Okay, yeah, sure. Let's do that. then. Let's do that, sir. It's my episode. I'm I'm taking it. I read this before you. Uh, so, I mean, another thing we sort of skip, but we can throw it in here now because we're talking about Victor Freeze is Bruce Wayne has been working with Victor Freeze to try to heal Alfred, who is suffering from yes. the same condition that Freeze's wife has been suffering from. Mm-hmm. And when you combine, you know, the scientific skills of Freeze with the, the resources <laughs> of Bruce Wayne, he's actually able to kind of find a cure. I don't know. Is, is it more just like puts the disease in stasis? Hard to tell. But um, Batman gets really beat up uh, concurrently while this is going on by, um, I mean, I guess we'll have to talk about the GTO in a minute. But uh, basically, Batman tries to get Jack Napier and he really has nothing legally on his side. And he's stopped by the combined forces of the Gotham PD with um, Batgirl and Nightwing and a fist fight with uh, Jack Napier, who conveniently not only did the pills turn him sane, but they also gave him a lot of muscles. Yeah, that <laughs> part steroids. That part was very convenient when he yeah. said that. Um, and so he like gets back to the Batcave, and he's like in really bad shape, and it kind of happens off camera, but you can infer it, and then it's referenced later that Alfred basically tells Freeze to like use the technology to save Bruce and Alfred dies. Mm-hmm. So that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sad if you know Batman, but I thought it was a little forced in this book because like, obviously like Alfred, like raised Batman and stuff. We, we all get it. We've all read Batman, but it was a little like a little ham fisted for this because I'm like, uh, there's nothing know. super I mean... established at the end it comes back yeah. like it's it's important yeah. to have because what he's doing there is in the beginning of this he's setting up batman to be an asshole and we're not supposed to like batman and he's setting right. up joker to be this good guy and we're supposed to like him which i never did like obviously i know that this is all fake and right. he's not really cured um and then there's a there's a they start to turn uh, in the second half of the book where he becomes the Batman we know and Joker starts slipping back. And I think that you need that Alfred, like that letter as a yeah. weight to bring Batman back and be the audience right. surrogate. That's true. That's um, and not just bring him back, but make him better than he was. Yeah, right. for sure. I also, I, also, I, I, also I agree with Jimmy though. That- like, bu- I had trouble trying to feel how Sean Murphy wanted me to feel about Batman because it seems like they they didn't just like make Batman a jerk and we're like, yeah, he's a jerk. It seems like they forced him to be a jerk. And like, I never really bought it. You know what I mean? Like, there's ways to do it where you'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with like Barbara. I agree with Dick that Bruce is being a, a bojo. But I never really did. I was just like. It's just a misunderstanding. Like, this, so, I mean, yeah, this takes place over a year, but like Jim Gordon's like, 
yeah, Joker told me this plan in 30 seconds. I believe him. Screw Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing I will say is they did something smart to differentiate this universe from the regular comic universe, which is that Batman never found out what happened to Jason, Jason Todd. Todd. Right. Yeah. In the original comics, Jason Todd was killed by the Joker, and that's obviously horrible and changes Bruce Wayne's life, but he's able to grieve and move past it. This his obsession to capture Joker is always fueled by the idea that he can find out what happened to Jason. And at the end of this book, we see that confrontation mm-hmm. play out where he confronts like Napier slash Joker about like whatever happened to Jason. And like, that's why I've been hunting you. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to get some like sort of motivation from that, too, because like yeah. it's always like obviously Batman and Joker. There's the whole dynamic, but it, it's interesting to see the motivation having like one specific thing it's not just like how they usually yeah. are you know i also think it's ballsy of sean murphy and i mean dc threw this on their black label maybe because they were nervous because there's not really a lot of racy stuff in here but it's interesting that they shine a light on some of the negative aspects like if batman existed in the real world there'd be a lot of like messed up stuff like uh jim gordon basically comes out and says like if Batman had shared his technology with us, there'd be like hundreds of lives, if not thousands of lives saved by it. If, right. you know, police officers had that advanced Kevlar, you know, if there was the nonviolent tactics that he utilizes were, you know, carried out by the police force. I mean, there's some question as to how great the police force is anywhere, let alone Gotham City. But um, so, yeah, I just think it's interesting to show Batman in a stark light. He reminds me personality wise and obsession wise with um, the Batman of the Frank Miller universe where he's sort of Mm. single minded. He refers to it as a war on crime, things like that. Right. Uh, Plot wise, there's really not a ton of plot stuff left. Um, They basically create this plan. Um, Gotham City has created the GTO, which is the Gotham Terror something. I don't remember. It doesn't matter, but it's it's basically like an integration of Batman's vigilante family and their technology with the Gotham PD. And um, at the end of the book, they decide like, hey, they're all going to team up and they uh, Joker gets Batman out of prison and Batman gives them all a whole bunch of old Batmobiles, which I thought was totally awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. To see all those like movie and TV show Batmobiles and they're all going to like take these tunnels into Gotham Bay to let Mr. Freeze reverse the freeze ray technology, which is literally the plot of Batman and Robin, the movie. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. There's even that one Gotham part City. where uh, Mr. Freeze steps out and he's like, I'm all out of puns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's like the end. Uh, there is like one other sequence where clayface breaks free of the mind control and turns on joker because he knows like jack napier's the one who did this to him and joker basically like sacrifices himself to save the original harley harley mm-hmm. quinzel and of course he survives because comic books yes. um they save the day the freezing is reversed neo joker is almost killed by harleen but at the last minute she like saves her or, like arrests her um 
Joker decides like he's he's turning back into Joker full time. Part of the deal to team up with Batman was to record a confession of everything that he had done. And he like voluntarily wants to go back to Arkham with his dignity. And in what I thought could have been corny, but was handled really well, was this poignant little scene where he's like, I have one last request. Marry us before I go back all the way to Joker. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do. And then, like, as he's about to say, I do, he's in full-blown Joker mode and, like, grabs Harleen by the throat. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was kind of sad seeing that happen, too, because, obviously, I, I mean, Jeff was saying that he didn't really buy the whole thing, and I kind of get that, too. But, like, you can kind of see that, like, he was actually trying and stuff. And um, I don't know. It, it was it was a little upsetting. I, yeah, okay, guys, he, I, I have to change what I said before when I said I didn't laugh at anything else in this book because i did there's there's one scene when clayface is coming after joker and batman says he's coming after you and joker says no shit world's greatest detective huh (laughs) yeah that that was really good (laughs) yeah i agree with jimmy that i think although you may question like napier's motivations and whether like joker was behind that one thing i think the book does a really good job of is making this new relationship between Napier and Harleen feel real. Like Mm. they take the time out of the plot, out of the crime caper, out of the action to show like a date night that is really well done um, where she's like, take me out on the town and they get all dressed up. And I I thought that was a really like touching scene. And then it feels really sad that they can never really have that true happiness because he's the Joker again. Yeah, uh, I pretty much agree with that, too. And it was also really cool to see Batman working with the Joker towards the end, too. Yeah, um, in the Batmobile. It, yeah, especially even when like he turned into the Joker, too. And he was like, oh, this is a lot darker than I expected it being or something so like that. When, I was, it was when funny. Joker was slipping back to the surface, Sean Murphy physically drew him as the Joker. And this part right. kind of confused me, too, based on the earlier Harley Quinn thing. I at first I was like, oh, he's physically changing back to the Joker. But then I was like, no, because they established that he wears makeup and stuff. So he's mm-hmm. not like they're now they're just showing that his personality is slipping by physically showing the Joker. And right. I don't know. I don't know if that was a good way to do it or not. It looked cool. But so, just like in the, with the tone of this comic and what they already set up. I don't know if I like that. So if you were to go back and look at the first time he slips into the Joker, like she references the makeup. But. Sean Murphy does a cool thing where he shows um, Napier basically doing like two things. And and I, I would assume that when we see the transformation later, it's those same two things, but just exaggerated to make him look more jokery. But he like tussles his hair. Napier has this very like quaffed, slicked back hairdo and mm-hmm. J- Joker has wild hair. And then he bites his lip. And you could see that's like blood. It's not like lipstick because it's but all he's, smeared. He's like also pale hair. and his hair is also a different color. And yeah, no, I agree with you that at yeah. the end, he's just fully drawing the Joker. But I think that's more for the reader. I yeah, think if you were saying. like, I think if you were like, OK, this sounds really ridiculous. But if you were really there, Jeff, <laughs> you would, it would look like Jack Napier. Yeah, Jack, Jack Napier with messed up hair and bloody lips and like 
a crazy look on his face because his eyes change and stuff. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some right there. there's some stuff when Batman starts actually detecting and he figures out the plots and he figures out that Harleen Quinzel set everything up from the beginning. She's actually the White Knight all along, much yeah. like mm-hmm. the diamonds in the logo on the cover of this comic have foretold oh. us. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. pick up on that until they said it. They got me. Um <laughs> But like, yeah, I mean, then you find out stuff like there, there's a whole bunch of like backpedaling, right? I don't know if it's called. I don't know if it's really backpedaling, but you find out that the Batman Devastation Fund is 100% funded by Bruce Wayne's companies. So he's actually not stealing from taxpayers. So you like him again. He's not a big <laughs> old jerk. I thought the same thing. I thought that was a little funny to like sort of uh, backtrack on that. Uh, I will say that they did a good job laying groundwork because, again, I was rereading this, but one of the things he claims when he's saying that Harleen was behind it all is he's like, you you were there that night. You formulated the medicine and you filmed the thing and put it online. And if you actually go back to that first issue, you never see who's filming except mm -hmm. for you see a cell phone in a hand and a hand has red and white nail polish and then you see the silhouette of a woman in a red trench coat walking away so i definitely think that i agree it feels a little there's a lot crammed into like the epilogue of this comic after the you know action ends Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff but i i don't i wouldn't go so far as say it's like retconning i feel like the groundwork was laid but maybe we could have had a couple more you know breadcrumbs dropped throughout the the story especially with the bruce wayne paying for the devastation fund i would have loved to have seen like you know at some point like someone looking at a spreadsheet of like these shell corporations that are clearly like tied to wayne the wayne foundation right but I mean, what are you going to do? I I don't know why the last issue feels rushed, but it does. It feels a little bit like I think uh, I the know ending why. of Lord of the Rings when there's like 12 endings. <laughs> I mean, I think I know, but let's I want to talk more about like the actual comic book itself so now that we've let's got do the okay. plot out of the way. So, yeah. I mean, um, we'll let's save the art because that's that's pretty cool. But like as far as the other thing actually no let's talk about them together i think you have to so first you see the standard batman tropes that jimmy mentioned which were popularized by frank miller's batman of the talking heads going back and forth on tv and Mm. uh i pretty much skipped all of those i don't think that they i read like a couple and i was like this is very wordy and like verbose for no reason and it's not really adding much to the story whereas i actually when, didn't think that was that bad like reading the the dark knight returns like that's a lot and yeah, this only felt like four panels i think i don't think it was that bad i know but that's just one thing that when it popped up but also just like i think the reason why dan thinks maybe the last issue or so seems quick like those issues were like all action and yeah it was a lot dope. Of action. and and i want to touch on that but like the first half of this was so wordy and like I'm I'm not one of those people that's like it's a comic book why do I have to read so much like that's fine I like to do that but a lot of this was just it seemed just like filler words for word sakes a lot of it was very redundant like okay we get it I get what's happening you don't have to tell me every single page that Joker is reformed I understand what you're trying to tell me <laughs> shut the f*** 
up and show me something else sorry oh, come jim on, jeff but like but like the first four or five issues that's what it felt like or i think the first four issues and then we start getting into like more of the action and like weird like plot twists and stuff but right. it just felt like super i would argue that it's a lot of world building and i think the newscasters are a part of that as well like i, think I don't they think you need to build the world the- as much as he thought you did because this is one of those things like dude it's batman everybody who's reading a comic book knows batman knows gotham city you know what i mean yeah but you don't necessarily know that gotham is struggling with the same divides that we're struggling with in america Mm -hmm. like gotham has been run the gamut of depictions from like idealized like safe space to police state to slums like uh, i think that (laughs) also like i will say in its defense if you're talked into this there's another there's a sequel series and a spinoff that don't require a lot of that world building Mm. all right um and And, and that's backed up by the fact that they're like shorter amount of issues they're i think they're like six and then four or something like that so then there's this like this uh jack napier joker monologue which was very long but it was it was basically just like an info dump and it but it was placed over this double page spread of like the bat cave and the bat the all the different batmobiles and i was like this is so good to look at like this is what's cool <laughs> about comic books like the info dump part i could have done without but the double page spread was pretty awesome um yeah i also we talked about all the different batmobiles at the end yeah but before that there's a reveal of the batman returns batmobile which comes in a really cool way which it's is like, like a full page yeah, they're like, listen, Batman drives a supercomputer armored tank car. Like, what could we do to take it out? And he's like, we would need an EMP. Well, if we have an EMP, we, we need, need something an analog that's, one. Yeah, we need something that's just as powerful, but analog. Where can we get that? And Dick Grayson's like, I think I can steal you one. And the next panel is a huge spread of Commissioner Gordon driving the Batman Returns Batmobile. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you're such a nerd. <laughs> Sean Murphy. I mean, you guys called it though right you yeah, know what yeah that was. it was cool sean murphy is such like a great sequential artist there's a lot of scenes like one of them that you were talking about with gordon driving the batmobile they're using multiple batmobiles to chase batman and they're using like flashes of light and darkness to blind them and disorient mm-hmm. him and that was just like it's such a cool idea but it was executed so well in a still format like these aren't mm-hmm. moving pictures but the way that he uses sequential art like there's another scene where there's just several characters walking down a flight of stairs and you your eyes just follow the action which is just walking and the dialogue boxes which you have to give props to the letterer um don't know who it is right now but like it all just yeah that was done really well i'm glad you called that specific section out because they do a cool thing where they don't separate the panels no show this continual continuous shot of the staircase and the characters just um you know repeat throughout this panel at at different points of the staircase and um we should say jeff because you brought it up todd klein is the letterer sean murphy wrote and drew it and um matt hollingsworth was the colorist yeah i was actually going to get to matt hollingsworth next because um he i'm very familiar with his work from daredevil which is oh really yeah it's like my favorite superhero comic series uh, especially volume two but yeah he did a lot of work in that and i just love like he always has like this cool thing where he adds like there's a lot of scenes like fight scenes that are like orangish reddish kind of like bright mm. star color 
voice, yep. but they're they're kind of muted, but they add these accents and it's not like they're flat. There's like multi textures. There's like a background with Batman jumping down like off a roof or something. And you can see like the sky behind him and it's all orange with like different types of oranges mixed in. And it's just it adds such a nice like feel to it and yeah. it's it's gritty but it's also colorful without being like comic mm-hmm. booky and he yeah, does that using, so good there's definitely like big set piece action sequences throughout this um storyline that are highlighted by like a color theme so right. like there's a, a batman versus joker fight scene that's all like pink and then you reference there's like a cityscape section where batman is like traveling by rooftop that's all like orange and like burnt you know burnt sienna colors and things like that and i i think that does a really good job to set the tone how did you guys read this what like format did you read these this in i read mine on kindle i started to read it on my phone and then i was like this is this is too many panels and it's eight issues to read on a phone so i looked on amazon and they had it for 10 bucks so i just bought it and i was like if it sucks i'll return it because amazon will take returns so i did read like seven and a half issues in the trade paperback did you guys see at the back the collection of the original single issue covers yeah that's in the digital one my library had too so um those are drawn by sean murphy and colored by um matt hollingsworth and i think he takes that idea of the color themes even a step further Mm, with the covers i could see that yeah there's a cover that's like batman in front of the night sky that's blue there's a really cool duke cover there i don't know if these were i think they were variants yeah so they're like character focused pieces and they all each of them was like a strong character pose with a background color there's there's a batgirl and nightwing one that's all like uh yellow behind them and stuff Mm. I love really color pretty. themes and stuff. It's so good, like especially with cinematography and stuff too. But like comic books, it even takes like a step further. So it's it's really cool. What do you guys think of the actual art? We the Sean Murphy, you know, pencils and ink. It's it's great. I mean, like his, a lot of his faces, they they're Sean Murphy faces, right? Like a lot of artists have their mm-hmm. own faces. You know, like John Romita Jr. There's a John Romita Jr. face. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the, this one works really good for joker because his faces are very angular Mm -hmm. and like especially joker's like nose and chin they they like stick out when they need to um but i mean even just like the detail in in the batmobiles in the giant freeze ray like he what he does really well um he does characters really well but he does amazing detailed like backgrounds and machinery yeah. yeah for sure um, like one of my favorite scenes or one of my favorite pages is just the Joker sitting in a cell with Batman memorabilia around. And you can tell like a lot of it is super detailed and it just shows you like, yeah, Joker's an obsessed guy and he's he he loves Batman. But also like with the introduction of all these different Batmobiles from different TV shows and movies, you know that this is just a Batman fan writing a fan comic. And you see that there's like Batman, the am- animated series um, poster hanging up in Joker sell at arkham like there's a lot of cool easter eggs and things like that but i mean yeah a lot of the splash pages are just they're so good and the action is really fluid which is is easy to mess up in comic books Mm. yeah i gotta pee sorry dude Uh, we're almost done come i'm gonna piss my pants Jimmy, you can go ahead and talk 40, about art. 40 fucking minutes in the second half. This is going to be an hour and a half episode and Dan has to pee. I've been drinking seltzer this whole time and I don't have to pee. 
You're 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 gonna turn Jeff Napier into the Jeff Kerr. <laughs> uh, Literally, I have like almost nothing left to say, and he's like, "Oh, we gotta go pee." Just ask me the fucking question and go pee in a bottle, Dan. Come on. I wanted to talk about the art. You can, t- t- Jimmy, talk about the art without this bozo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think so? Yeah, I could talk about the art. I actually. I really do like the artist. I don't think I've read anything um, that he's drawn or written before, Um, but I thought it was it was good because he has a lot of expressions, um, which I think is very nice in a Batman comic, because obviously you can make Batman look brooding and stuff. Um, But it's kind of rare to see like a a Batman that has like a lot of expressions on his face and stuff, Um, which also kind of reminds me of like Greg Capullo. I think he's a little bit more like a, a sketchier greg capullo with like his expressions but a little yeah, bit more stylized yeah for sure um, especially with batman and stuff um but yeah i thought it was really good and and uh really well done i can agree yeah. with that i really like greg capullo um yeah me too i still have to finish scott snyder and greg capullo's run on batman too yeah i've read like the first 30 issues or so it was really good Oh, okay. <laughs> really wish Dan was here. We're, Sorry. Jimmy, let's both bad. give him a no. Oh, shit. <laughs> I couldn't hold anymore. I'm sorry. I was literally pinching the head of my dick. I had such a... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All right, Dan. Um, we'll get it. Did you talk about the art, Jim? I yeah, talked about the art. All right, hold on one second. I forgot to grab something. Are you... What did you forget to grab? Something for my final push. You're the, it's a surprise. <sighs> so do you guys have any final overall thoughts or anything? Uh, yeah. Jeff, do you want to go first? Yeah, I have a lot of cons and a lot of pros. Um, so it's pretty, pretty fairly balanced. Um, my cons are the first half was a slog, like I mentioned. It was just... Uh, so so much filler i i thought so much uh redundant just like i'm reading this i know i already know what happened you don't need to literally tell me what happened in the last four issues to say the next sentence kind of thing um i that's i'm not gonna harp on that that's just it was really annoying and really hard to read and i skimmed a lot of it um because it just it got to the point where i was like this is boring and i'm gonna i'm gonna be a no if i read all of this um and also i just don't like harley quinn as a character and this is to me she's boring she's one note (laughs) dude i that is the dumbest fucking (laughs) argument ever and it's so stupid like just because i don't like a character i'm a fucking misogynist you're swearing a lot well because you're saying stupid shit so i'm joking with you well it's not a funny joke because like that is a serious issue and it's it's not because of that it's just a bad character that i don't like that's boring and this is her at her most boring and neo joker was just stupid just laughably stupid laughably bad um well if you don't like her that's cool but you i mean i disagree that she's not a bad character and she's not boring i think Okay, she's not. Arlene Quinzel is one of the most interesting characters in this book, whether you dislike her legacy or whatever. Yeah, that's subjective. But to me, I don't like the character. 
Um, and I think she's boring. And to me, she even was in boring. this book or just even in, in this book in general. But in this, I just thought it was boring. Like, I don't care about good Harley. Wow. I don't care about good Joker. I thought it was dumb. And like, he obviously wasn't going to win. He was obviously going to turn back. So there were no real stakes here because like, even though this is an alternate universe where you could do anything you want, like they could have made Joker actually be good and like kill Batman. You know, it's not the main continuity, but they Ooh, didn't. So it's good. I don't know if it would have been good or not, but they could. By the way, I would argue that he actually ends the book good. Like, he is the Joker, but he has also voluntarily confessed, yeah, turned but, himself into Arkham. Like, those are. But to things. me, I don't like that. I don't want that in Joker. That's just me. I, I thought that, like, I the idea of turning, like, ultimate, like, chaotic evil good and, like, w- making him a genius and, like, the mastermind of this plan, that's a good idea, but, like, I don't well, know. He wasn't. Harleen was. Yeah. He never figured but... it out. He never figured it out, I mean. That's true. I mean, um, I, I feel like you have a little bit of an uphill battle when it comes to Elseworlds things because you tend to do have this thing like it's not the Joker that I'm used to or it's not the version that I want. Whereas I think you have to set all that aside and look at it as new characters. No, that's what I was doing, but I still like it still didn't feel like the stakes were real. You know what I mean? Um no. Jimmy, what did you think? I'm not done. Uh, I have my pros. My pros were that there were cool takes on classic characters and storylines. Like we mentioned, like the Jason Todd thing was a little different. That was a new take on it. Like it was holding, you know, it was something. Also, how heart wrenching. We didn't touch on this in the plot, but how messed up was it that the last thing that Jason Todd said before Joker let him go was, I wish I never met Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And the fact that that he's just been on the run like hiding away from bruce wayne because he knew knows that like being a part of this bat family is just gonna lead him to being tortured by the joker and stuff right yeah yeah it's bad (laughs) and and the art i mean the art's just amazing like we could we could talk about it all day but like it's just it's great the the pencils are awesome the colors are awesome it was just it was a really good sequential art story hmm Okay, okay. I'll, I'll give my my final thoughts. Um, I thought, uh, sort of like what Jeff was saying to you, I thought the, the beginning was a little slow. Um, and there's a lot of words, but I think, I don't think it's there just for filler. I think it's there to get you on to Jack Napier's side. Um, because by the time everything was over, I was like, oh, Batman's the villain in this comic. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, until we get to the end and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but I was still never rooting for, like, I was still always rooting for Batman, even though we're not Ooh. supposed to. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, That's because you're a bootlicker, right, Jeff? Go lick some boots, you misogynist <laughs> piece of shit. I mean, it is a little strange. It's like saying you're rooting for Rorschach and Watchmen. That's not like that kind of is batman represents like authoritarian control in a police state especially in this comic yeah i mean at the end he basically reveals that uh he can't be batman anymore because he can't be trusted because he likes hurting criminals yeah i like hurting criminals (laughs) i love hurting criminals um but i thought it was a really good deconstruction of batman too and in a different take well i wouldn't say that much of a different take on batman because like how different is this batman from like uh like right. the main continuity you know it's just he's just a little a bit harsher more light yeah yeah there's it just shines a harsher light and shows like some of the messed up stuff that might get glossed over in the regular comics right 
Um, obviously, he felt a little bit messier and a little less methodical. Um, but it just sort of seemed like he was just up with the Joker. Like he's just down with, he's just wanting to finish this basically. And um, I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we talked about the art a little bit before. Um, I was a really big fan of the art. I thought it looked really good. Um, obviously the end is just sort of like breezed through, but we were talking about before. I, I'm pretty sure it's just because of, it was a lot more action and stuff too. I got through the second half of the book way faster than I got through the first half of the book. I think I read it in like two sessions. And, um, yeah, it, it was overall very enjoyable. Um, I, I don't know if I was ever rooting for Jack Napier, but I was interested to see where it was going. Um, it, and it was definitely very interesting to see him quote, go sane. Um, because we never really saw anything that was like that a little bit like in the dark Knight returns, but turned out that was just a plot to get into, uh, more evil doing you know what i mean <laughs> well i mean i will say like as much as i'm giving jeff a hard time i think you both bring up a valid point um which i do think was intentional by the writer that i don't know that this book really has a protagonist um no, i think they're all pretty There's flawed not. um maybe like you could be corny and say like gotham is the protagonist or something like that <laughs> right. possibly like one of the characters that gets like the least amount of time could be arguably like the only good character which is duke mm. um he, he represents like trying to make gotham a better place the right way or right. Barbara. whereas a lot of these characters think they're trying to make gotham the better place but they're coming from it from positions of like pride and power and things like that yeah i'd agree with jeff too about barbara too she was pretty neutral yeah um so yeah i i have a final push for you it's a little different than what we would normally do um i actually recently purchased still haven't read it yet but i purchased um the sequel batman curse of the white knight and i wanted to just read you the uh the plot description on the back just to see to show you like hey if you're talked into this you might even be more interested in the sequel um, it's Curse of the White Knight. It says the urban jungle that is Gotham City is being torn apart by the war between Batman and Joker, a war in which the difference between hero and villain has become impossibly blurred. Now, with his do-gooding Jack Napier personality submerged beneath an ascending clown prince of crime, the Joker is ready to take that war to the next level and his army has a new recruit. There's more to it than that, but I will say that on this back cover, what's referenced and what there's a picture of is a person who sort of looks like a big jacked bat man wielding a flaming sword and <laughs> using the name Azrael. okay so if you're familiar with batman lore yep you might know a little about, about about Azrael, and i just think that's a really interesting thing to bring into this sort of down-to-earth storyline is a character who's not down to earth right um but it's the same creative team it's sean murphy and matt hollingsworth and there's also a little in the trade paperback i think it's a one shot there's like a little b storyline called von freeze that's written and drawn by klaus jansen which is kind of a cool thing to see huh get to read a so comic yeah, if you're about a nazi into it, yeah if you're uh if you're <laughs> talked into it there's a a pretty well-regarded sequel and there's also a spinoff all about Harleen Quinzel, which Jeff probably won't like, but I'm <laughs> I'm down for. Okay. So I guess now's the time when I should ask you, Jimmy and Jeff, was I able to talk you into Batman White Knight? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. I yes. was Jeff's trying to fake me out. I was a soft yes 
the entire time. And Dan almost turned me to a no while we were <laughs> just talking. Just out of anger? <laughs> well, not, not just out of anger. Just like, just thinking about it. I was like, no, I really didn't like this. And then I was going to ask you, because I know you mentioned that there were sequels. And I didn't look up any information about them at all beforehand because I wanted to wait for the show. And when you just read that, I was like, okay, that sounds fine. There's no Harley. But then the second one, there's a spinoff with Harley. And I'm just, I'm done with that character. I never want to talk. If she is involved at all in any topic you ever bring up, it's going to be a no, no matter what for me. Completely done because I'm a misogynist piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so going forward, I will be talking into every Harley Quinn comic book. Um, That's cool because I just won't, I just won't read it and then just be a no. I'll just sit here silently and just say, nope, I wasn't talked into it. Also, just want to point out, I didn't say there's no Har- Harley Quinn in this. Uh, I haven't read it yet. And I did just flip to a random page, and it's a, it's a splash page of Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn carrying babies. Cool. Yeah, it's... This is this was almost a no for me. If if it was if it was drawn by somebody not as good as Sean Murphy, it would have been a no for me. The art sold it um, for me. I would agree with that. I think the sequels are worth reading just to look at the art again. It was really good. All righty. Well, I guess I'll count that as success. Uh, <laughs> take your yes and shut the hell victory. up. <laughs> I love whenever we give yeses and but it's like such like a negative tone. But Dan just sort of like, uh, well, I, I guess I still want. you're like, you're like, um, yes, you talked me into it, even though I hate it. <laughs> That's uh, it's what it it's like. not that. I mean, it, sometimes when we're on the show, like we're iffy, we're on the line, we're a no, and then we become a yes by having the conversation. But like, I wrote so much stuff I didn't even say, <laughs> like in my notes. It, I don't know. It was it was fine. It was it wasn't terrible. It's just that the stuff that I didn't like was highlighted in our conversation more than the stuff I did like. Mm. I, I, I think it was, it's like uh, I was just gonna oh, go say ahead, I think it. I, th- I thought it was a pretty good Batman deconstruction. And it was cool to see the Joker being a different person than he normally is. Yeah. I mean, do I think it's like a life changing comic series like Watchmen or something like that? No. Do I think it's uh, going to be like one of the most talked about Batman series? Probably not. But I think it's a good, solid Batman comic. I like that it has a concise beginning, middle and end. You know, it tells one story uh, and it's got beautiful art and it's just an interesting take on the characters. So, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, we're doing an interesting thing next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you are qualified to describe what that episode is. So <laughs> what are we talking uh, each other into next week? You guys ever hear of Record Roundtable that we've done? Yeah. Yes, well, I we're, have. We're, we're doing the same format. And all I'll say now, I'm going to be mysterious, is the name of the episode is Playlist Roundtable. Oh. Ooh. Ray Mysterio Jr. <laughs> you won me back are we friends again yes (laughs) as long as we don't ever cover any art that involves women correct no women creators no songs by women no art by women no books by women heard it here first folks yep that's it okay bye (laughs) in the meantime jimmy where can people find the podcast online? You can find the podcast at Talk Me Into on Twitter, at Talk Me Into Pod on Instagram. And if you feel so inclined, you can send us an email, talkmeinto at gmail.com, just for your regular old email reasonings. Just be like, hey, I, we have a meeting hey. at, at four. <laughs> can you please show up? Uh, wear your best tie and uh, you get we'll, the memo? we'll get back to you. Yeah. 
Um, Dan, where can people find you online? Uh, you could follow me on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown, where I'll be posting a lot of different Harley Quinn stuff. <laughs> Jeff, how about you? I don't even have a joke. You could just find me on Twitter at J E F F F F F two seven. That's Jeff with five F's, the number 27. Jimmy, where can people find you? You can find me uh, at son of a Fitch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube where I'm uh, tweeting the tweets, trying to make the funnies, you know, the deal, you know, the big old dealio. Thank tweeting you. the tweets and fleeting the fleets. Oh yeah. I was tweeting the tweets and fleeting the fleets. It's pretty good. Uh, who be skeeting the skeets? I don't know. Uh, thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Massage. Nothing, nothing, Dan. Nothing. <laughs> I actually had a joke in my head, but I forgot the word that would be the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to go pudding. Uh, uh, bye. Stopping the track. <laughs> All right, Dan. I'm just waiting Dan for the Dan. Man. Okay. Um, what am I going to do again, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a sentence? <laughs> that was a... <laughs> Jimmy, can we start the episode with that? All right, Dan. Long pause. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Batman, White Knight, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I knew I'm the whole time. My hands. I just was Maybe making sure that like me. this is the segment where I introduced the thing. <laughs> what did he say? Oh my god! I didn't Let's hear just... him. What did he say? You'll hear it in the episode. Don't worry. When am I in it again? <laughs> That's my new catchphrase. How do you spell that? For a it's gonna be the center of the new bingo card. <laughs>